Well, good morning. And greetings in the name of Jesus, and we uh, welcome the visitors here. Let's pray. Father, help us, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, Lord, and that you would uh, shine the light, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for all that you do in our life, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm supposed to be in uh, Revelation 20, but I'm not quite there yet. Uh, Revelation 20 is about judgment. And uh, the, the controversy in Revelation 20 is, is when the judgment happens. But we'll talk about that next time. I need to uh, talk about something else. Uh, I guess the title of this is uh, Spiritual Poverty. I was going to call it What About Sin, but I decided to change it to uh, Spiritual Pro Poverty. Last time I, uh, I taught through uh, the Beatitudes... And this time I'm going to teach to the Beatitudes. But from a, a little different perspective, last time I taught the Beatitudes as a way of uh, spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. But this time I want to uh, look at the Beatitudes as from the other, the other side. And what I mean by that is what would your Christian life be like if you didn't cultivate these, uh, these attributes in your life? Uh, like I said before, we need to cultivate the Beatitudes. We need to pursue them. We need to learn what they are. We need to understand them. Uh, it allows us to grow in Christ. Uh, but what happens when we lack these things? And so I want to start, uh, we'll just go back there, Matthew 5. And it says, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, this verse 3, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that word poor means beggar. Uh, are you a beggar to the Lord? You know, a beggar, what, what is a beggar? You know, today we, we can, you go to any city and you'll find a beggar. And, and a lot of times they'll say, well, they use drugs and, or they can work, but they're just lazy. Uh, but in, these, in, in those days, uh, beggars begged because they had no other choice. They had a choice, they could die, or they could beg. And that was their choice. And when uh, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, what he's saying is, you could come to me, and I'll give you life, or you can die. And that's basically your choice. Uh, people that are not poor in spirit are unbelievers. 
they don't believe. You, you have to come to the Lord as a beggar to be able to to allow the Lord to give you spiritually what you need to walk as a Christian. So let's, uh, I want to look at Mark. I think uh, this uh, parable, or this incident, is not necessarily a parable, that uh, Jesus had with the uh, Pharisees. It's Mark chapter 7, and we'll, we'll start in verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and a certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. So from what I understand, uh, looking at different commentaries, it wasn't so much that the apostles didn't have clean hands. That wasn't really the issue with the Pharisees. The, the issue was that they didn't follow the protocol that the Pharisees had developed over the years. And I guess uh, they're pretty complex. <laughs> I, I read some of them, and I didn't understand half of them myself, but when, when he talked about as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vegetables and of tables, what he's talking about is, is the Pharisees set themselves above the others because it was almost impossible for a poor beggar to actually go through all the process and all the uh, things that they needed to do to wash properly to eat, but the Pharisees were in a position to do it because you know they 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 had uh, everything they needed. They didn't go without. You know that I didn't. You didn't find too many Pharisees begging on the street side, basically. So and then uh, uh, verse five. Then the Pharisee and the scribes asked him. Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So basically Jesus is calling them on this. Uh, you, 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 didn't, you don't get it. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, a little later. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and mother, and whoso curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father and mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, for he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father and mother, making the word of God an effect through the tradition which they have delivered, and many such 
like things do e. So what he was saying is uh, probably most of you know that this idea that if you commit your money to the Lord, you don't have to use it to help your parents. And back then, uh, in the Jewish culture, uh, it was uh, it, it, it was critical that the children would help their parents because otherwise their parents would have to be beggars. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there's nothing from without a man that entereth into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out unto the draught, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of a man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So what Jesus is basically saying is, you know, the Pharisees were wasting their time because they were doing all these things on the outside when sin comes from within the heart. Now, I looked up uh, heart. Uh, we talk a lot about the heart. And we, we, we have this idea, well, head knowledge, you know, we can, we can know the scriptures, and it's head knowledge, but it has to get to the heart. Well, if you look up this word heart that he uh, uses here, uh, it's thoughts and feelings from the mind. <laughs> so, basically, it's okay to know the Word of God. It's okay to understand what God is trying to teach us because what we put into our mind become our thoughts and our feelings. And our thoughts and feelings are the heart. And so what Jesus is saying here is that you're all worried about everybody else's sin. You're all worried about the, the uh, corruption that's out there. But really, sin originates within your own heart. And as Paul teaches, we need to uh, be transformed, renewing of the mind, uh, to understand the things of God. It, it just doesn't happen by just living your life and just going about your business. You have to be into the, in the Word of God. And you have to learn to pray and fast. I was uh, convicted of that, uh, of what uh, Brother Peter talked about is, it does say fast and pray, fast and pray. And, uh, so we need these things. These things help us take what's in the Word of God and put it in our mind, and then it becomes part of our thoughts and our feelings. 
And this is what God wants to give us. But unless we come to him as a beggar, unless we come to him in repentance, unless we come to him as a person in need, unless we humble ourselves, God is not going to give it to us. And that's what he says. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So I want to look at uh, these different uh, Beatitudes. And they're all connected together, I believe. They're all connected together. And if you cultivate these things in your heart, uh, you will be a child of God. And, you know, this, there's, there's a beginning of just about everything. When you're born, it's the beginning. When you get married, it's the beginning of a marriage. When you get your f- first day on the job, it's the beginning of a job. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, that's the first day. But then there's all the days after that. And all the days after that, God requires us, or God desires for us, to have belief is to uh, cultivate these attributes in our lives. So then it says, uh, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning is uh, being sorrowful. Being sorrowful, realizing the state that you are in. Understanding the state that you are in. You are in a state of sin. You know, in, verse, in chapter 7, verse 22 of Mark, he, he lists all those evil things that come out of your heart. And so we need to understand that these evil things are in our heart, and we need to come to repentance and mourn the loss of them because we we need to, we need to rid ourselves of these evil things you know when when adam and eve fell what did they gain they gained the knowledge of good and evil we need to do good and eschew evil it says in job several times to do good and cast away evil but we need to know what evil is So in James uh, chapter 4, it says, uh, verse 6, But but giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So this is what James is saying. He's saying, uh, be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Uh, He's saying, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And this is what... This is what mourning represents. Now, 
people that don't mourn their sin, just like I said, uh, if you're not a if you're not a beggar, you're not a believer. And if you're not a believer, you're going to die in your sins. The same thing, people, if you don't mourn your sins, you're not going to be repentive. And the opposite of that today is uh, people think they're okay. I'm okay. I got no problem. I'm okay. But they don't realize that they're not. In fact, they don't realize it so much as today people identify with sin. Their, their identity is in their sin. We see it all around today. I mean, they're so far from repentance, they're so far from mourning their sin that they actually believe that this is who God made them. And they're deceived. They're, they're, they're deceived. And so, repentance. So here we have our need. A beggar is someone in need. And then repentance. And then the third one says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, meekness, uh, uh, if you look it up, it means humble, gentle, uh, Meekness, uh, if, you, if you really study this word, it means a couple things. One is, you never put burdens on other people. If you're meek, you learn not to put burdens on other people. And the other one is, you never grab anything that's not yours. So that's what it means to, to be gentle, is, is, is not taking what's not yours. And, and so uh, I wanted to look at uh, uh, Matthew 11. <coughs> 28. Uh, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So Jesus teaches this. And uh, he's, if we come to him and we allow God to lift the, the sin out of our heart, then we don't have to walk around with a heavy soul. And then uh, in, uh, in Matthew 23, I said I was going to talk a little bit about, this is an example of Jesus uh, showing us what, what the Pharisees do, and, and, and they come up with these burdens to put on people. And so in, in verse 2 of uh, chapter 23, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do but do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. 
But all their works they do for the, to be seen of men, and they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and chief seats in the synagogues, greetings in the markets, and to be called men, rabbi, rabbi, but be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in uh, heaven. Neither ye be called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be a servant, and whosoever shall exalt themselves shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And so, this is, this is the opposite of humility or meekness, is those that have, let's say, power or influence over people, and they use it to exalt themselves and to keep them down, when really, uh, as, a, as leaders, as people of influence, they should be uh, bringing people up. So then the, the next one. So here you have your need, repentance, and humility. And the next one. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. Well, Hunger and thirsting, is, unless we're fasting 40 days, is not really a problem for us as Americans, and so it's probably hard for us to really relate to this. But back in those days of Jesus' time, there was real starvation and real thirst. And there is still in the world, in many places. But it's hard for us to uh, relate to this, because rarely we have to deal with any of this. But uh, what Jesus is saying is, when you hunger and thirst, it becomes all-consuming. You're, you're not worried about playing a baseball game. You're not worried about going to work. You're not worried about pleasing your family. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, your mind is on one thing. And this is what uh, I think Jesus is trying to say here is that, our minds should be on righteousness. Now, if you look up righteousness, it means innocent, holy, and just. Uh, in some, in some uh, translations, they actually uh, uh, translate that word righteousness into justice. Or, in other words, what is right? What is the right thing? You know, justice is trying to find the truth, find the truth wherever it is, and then straightening everything out and making everything right. That's what justice is supposed to do. It gets all kind of convoluted because we're all humans and we all see things different and, you know, not everything comes out clearly. But if you had the complete truth, you could resolve the problem with making everything right. And so I want to look at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, just right over verse 33. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. So what Jesus is saying is this should be our focus. What is right? Justice, making things right, understanding, in other words, understanding what is good and doing that. And that should be our paramount concern. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That, that should be all-consuming, like we haven't eaten for 40 days. Uh, it, so, in Romans, uh, Romans 10... there. Uh, Verse 3 and 4. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So, So in a sense, if we're believers, if we're beggars, if we repent, if we have humility, then we need to submit to God's righteousness or submit to God's justice or submit to God's commandments. And that should be our uh, overriding concern. Now, I have to say that uh, I was... Jeremy asked me to preach, and uh, I, uh, I was just studying this for myself. So I'm up here preaching to myself because I know in my heart my overriding concern is not always righteousness. The, the self comes up. But as Christians, God is gracious And he gives us grace to live for him, and he gives us mercy. And so we don't have to stay down when we don't do it right. But we do need to get back up. You only get back up if you resubmit yourselves to what God wants. If you fall and decide, well, I don't want to do what God wants you're not getting back up. That's not true repentance. We, we need to always go back to what God wants. So then the, the next one is uh, it says uh, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Now, mercy uh, means uh, to have compassion for others. And again, I have to uh, confess that I always don't do that. But still, it's required of us to have compassion on one another. And uh, this whole thing of... uh, 
giving compassion to others is is a whole talk in itself but there's unfortunately there's a lot of issues today that play into where people are at and it's not always clear how to best give compassion to somebody today that there's just especially because of all this uh, sin that the culture is embracing so let's look at a few verses here I want to look at Matthew uh, chapter 9 uh, 10 through uh, 13 and it came to pass as Jesus sat at me in the house behold many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and the disciples and when the Pharisees saw it they said unto the disciples Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, So if you think that you're like the Pharisee and your heart is good and what comes out of your heart is good, Jesus is saying you need to think twice about that because really we need to understand that we are sinners and we hold evil things in our heart. But he's there to give us mercy. Mercy allows us to continue to walk according to his ways. And so then in... uh, Luke chapter 10, I'm not going to, it's about the Good Samaritan, but we all know the story. I just wanted to read uh, verse 36 and 37 in Luke 10. Which now these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then Jesus said unto him, go and do likewise. So there again, uh, Jesus is saying that we need to, to have mercy for one another. So the opposite of mercy is, is uh, getting even. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, my flesh, you know, my, my neighbor's cow's running all over my property and he's doing things to it I don't like and he's eating all my hay. And, well, I need to give mercy. Uh, it's okay to lose. It's kind of a small loss, but... It's still annoying, and I still, I want to get even, you know, I want him to pay, you know, but, but this, these are the kinds of things we face as Christians, and uh, these are the kinds of things we need to deal with, and, and we need to come to that point uh, where we're seeking God's kingdom first, where we're able to give mercy. I want to look at Luke 18. And everybody knows this. I'm going to start down in verse 10. Two men went up unto the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed with, thus with himself and God, and said, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I, I fast twice in a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much 
as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So again there, Jesus is making this point that, uh, you know, there's times that we can think that we're okay and we're not that Pharisee. But ask yourself, have I beaten my chest and bowed down to the ground and cried out to God and say, Lord, be merciful me, a sinner? You know, it, sometimes I, I mean, they, pro- they, they deserved it. I'm not, I'm not going to contradict Jesus, but sometimes I feel sorry for these Pharisees because they just don't get it. And sometimes I feel sorry for myself because I don't get it. But we need to bow down and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. So the next one is uh, pure in heart. It says, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, it, wouldn't that be neat to be able to, well, we, we can't really see God and live, but I think he's, what they're saying is seeing God in, in, in the capacity that people can see God. But pure in heart, it, pure in heart means clarity in both thoughts and feelings. You know, there's nothing wrong with feelings. In fact, feelings are really good. God gave us feelings. But our feelings should be for good. Feeling, a lot of times feelings are used for selfishness. I feel this way, so I deserve to do this, or I feel that way, so I get what I want. My feelings. But feelings should be uh, for the Lord. You know, David David had a lot of feeling. And he was called a uh, man after God's own heart. So it's clarity. The pure in heart have clarity of faith. And they have a clarity of who God is. And that's why they can see him. Let's look at uh, 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse uh, 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit to unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So there he's talking, uh, uh, talking about we need, we need to be purified. Uh, this is what the 
pure in heart is. It's, it's a purifi- purification of our soul. And uh, it, takes, it takes all the things that we have talked about. Uh, poor in spirit, mourn, uh, meekness, uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness, mercy. All these things we need to cultivate in order to have a pure heart. And then the other uh, verse I want to look at is Titus. I think I'm going the wrong way. Okay, Titus uh, chapter 1, verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. So, Paul... (laughs) Paul is talking, Paul's a prophet here. Uh, Look what's going on in our culture. There's people that say that they believe God, but they're completely defiled. There's nothing pure about them at all. Uh, Their sin is uh, uh, evil. They identify with their sin. And uh, Paul's saying, no. No. And, And... he uses the word unbelieving. So, if you don't believe, the, re- the rest of it is, is you're wasting your time. Because you can never be pure if you don't believe. And so that's the other side of the coin of, of uh, pure and heart is, is unbelief. And uh, it's people turn... From the living God unto uh, materialism, basically. I mean, that's 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 the culture today. Is it's it's science. It's just whatever we can see, whatever we can measure. There's no spirituality. But what they're what they're what they're uh, doing is it, it's they're they're following. Uh, Doctrines of demons. They're following evil spirits and they don't even know it because they're blinded. I, uh, I watched, maybe I, sh- maybe I wasn't supposed to do this, but I watched some of the protests after the, the decision was made and, and I was just thinking, why are these people so happy about... Uh, killing people and it's because they have no belief and they, Paul says eventually if you don't come to the uh, saving uh, if you don't come to salvation you'll eventually be uh, handed over to a reprobate mind And so, next uh, he talks about uh, peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So, 
isn't that the goal? We want to be children of God. So this is kind of like the, the, uh, you know, the the last thing, the peacemakers. This is this is the goal of the Beatitudes. This this is where we want to end up at as peacemakers. And uh, peacemakers uh, are people that are at rest. You know, we we read the verses uh, about Jesus. Uh, all come unto me, and I'll give you rest. And uh, peacemakers, uh, they're quiet. You know, they're 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 at peace. Uh, there's not confusion going on in the world. Uh, when ke- when confusion comes, when confusion comes to my life, I generally uh, believe that there's something not quite right. Uh, usually in, in myself. But w- when there's lots of confusion going around about something, it's not of God. Because God is a God of peace. And peace gives rest. So let's look at uh, James, James chapter 3. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So James, you know, he, Jesus probably said, well, he, he probably inspired him to say it, but he probably said, good job, James. You, you wrote down exactly what I was thinking. And uh, so we need to we need to seek peace. And uh, that peacemakers is a sign. It's, you know, it's a fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And in uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5, so I'm not going to go through the, uh, the whole chapter here, but uh, I just want to say a few things. In verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall fulfill the, uh, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these things are contrary uh, one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so then he goes through all the evil things that you can do, and then he talks about the, the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, uh, but in verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lusts. So I think what Paul's saying here is these people uh, that show the fruit of the Spirit understand what Jesus was trying to tell them in Mark chapter 7. That within the heart, that's where evilness comes from. 
from the heart, that's where sin comes from. If everybody, if everybody in the world was able to uh, eradicate sin from within their heart, there wouldn't be any sin. And so sin always comes from somebody. Uh, sin is not another person's problem. It's your problem. But a lot of times we make it someone else's. If, if these people weren't so sinful or if these people just got their act together or if these people did this or that, I would be okay. But that's not the problem. The problem's within you. It's not the people outside. This is what Jesus is saying about uh, you know, the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup. This is what he's trying to get at. So as Christians, we each have our own responsibility to deal with our sin. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need brothers and sisters, because we need to be able to come to each other and say, I'm dealing with sin. I need your encouragement. I need your help. But we like, we don't want to be exposed. I don't want to be exposed. Uh, and so we kind of play this game. But, uh, you know, Jesus wants us to uh, be truthful about things. And so uh, I want to end on a positive note. And that is uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So, Paul is, is expressing the uh, essence of the Christian life right here in these verses. And uh, that's why we need the fellowship, because we need the encouragement. We need we need to help. We need to lift each other up and not try to tear each other down and not try to come across like we're just a little better than the other person or that we're okay because Jesus, he emphatically, so you go back and read Mark 7. He's emphatically saying that you're not okay. You can th- think that you're okay, but you're not. I mean, he, he's saying... This is what is in your heart. And so, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. And through faith, we can overcome the world too.
but we need to play our part. We need to fast and pray and read the word. Thank you. Thank you for your time.